Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Streets Ahead, a podcast dedicated to active travel, livable streets, and people-focused urban design. I'm Adam Tranter. I'm Ned Bolton. And I'm Laura Laker. And welcome to this episode in which we need to talk about Worcestershire. So, why Worcestershire? Well, you may have heard of Worcestershire of late, not for the beautiful Cotswolds, historic Tewkesbury, a city of 30 alleyways, apparently, or Worcester Cathedral. That's right. It's the county council and, in fact, the city council's policies on active travel, which has been making the news uh, in our part of the world for all the wrong reasons. So, we thought we'd get out of uh, out of London. We thought we'd explore um, uh, an area in focus, um, which I think would be a nice thing to do. So, we're going to be joined today by... Uh, Danny Brothwell, he's the chair of Bike Worcester, uh, and later on Green Party councillor for Worcestershire County Council, Matthew Jenkins, to tell us a little bit about the inside um, line on what's happening in Worcester. Um, but before that, um, I've been uh, mesmerised by by Ned's Twitter <laughs> feed, uh, and, and in fact the the bike racing that's going on, which is brilliant, but also the um, the the Basel. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and my my wife is is. Incredibly jealous, as am I, incredibly jealous of your basil, Ned. <laughs> it's an unexpected success in more ways than one, Adam. I, as you say, the, you know, the, 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 the cycling season, which is my bread and butter, the big bike races are back up. So, you know, in my day job, what I considered to be important, um, apparently that's not so important. And all I need to do to gain a bit of online traction, apparently, seemingly, is um, post a picture of a, a really very bushy, basil plant that I have uh, grown from one of those very small um, supermarket, slightly substandard basil, growing basil pots. Um, it was a bit of a lockdown project. And, you know, I'm sure we've all indulged in a little bit of lockdown horticulture or, or something like that. And um, 
And I didn't expect it to work, but I did actually follow an online, an American online YouTube tutorial by some very strange bloke in kind of like Michigan or somewhere who was growing, who gave me the method. It's very simple. Um, I'll summarize it in 20 seconds flat. You, you get your, you get your pot of basil and you look for So each individual stalk, you then cut them uh, off at just under where they branch off like that. And you take off the bottom leaves, leaving hopefully two or three more branches further upward leaves. Then you place that in some water, uh, which you change quite regularly for the best part of a week, at least week, 10 days until this little shoot then grows long roots, at least a couple of inches long, little white roots, and then place each of your new basil plants in compost. And uh, initially just start them off indoors, keep them watered. But then when you think they've thickened up a little bit, take them outdoors and let them appreciate sort of like much more daylight. And bingo, after a month, that's what you've got. Very simple. Wow. wow. And, and then you can, you can repeat the process ad infinitum because now I've got kind of like, you know, I've just got this massive forest of basil. And I can hopefully keep it all going through the winter. Wow. And you could sell them um, as a bit of a sideline. <laughs> Um, before before Gardener's World calls you, Ned, for um, to, to <laughs> go on there. Exclusive interview. I think the most impressive thing is what you just said, Ned, because um, I think a lot of people will be listening and thinking, well, what what the hell are they on about? But also, um, you know, we've tried to grow basil in our garden, uh, no, nowhere near the level of intricacy that you've gone through. Um, <laughs> and it's failed. It's failed every time. Like I think we've had like three goes now of putting basil plants outside. So... Um, you need to watch this YouTuber, yeah, yeah, clearly. I've, I've, I now understand why it makes it makes total sense. Yeah. But they are linked um, to cycling in a way plants. What? Um, because <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the low traffic neighborhoods that are going in, uh, like yeah. in my area, we have a low traffic neighborhood going in, which is very exciting in Newham. And there's a lot of planters going in on the streets. And so I think um, you know, residents will be expected to like to become sort of have a go gardeners if if there's no council budgets to to maintain them. In fact, I was cycling through there yesterday, I think it was. This woman was crossing the road in front of me and she said, Oh, it's very posh around here, isn't it? Look at those plants. Plants and everything. Yeah, there's That's nothing, it's quite, there's nothing it's quite sadder sweet. than a kind of poorly kept planter, you know, if, if everything just if yeah. everything just withers and, and and then it just looks like an obstacle in the street rather than a thing of joy, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's a very good point. Yeah. It's all part of our public service here. Plant, plant, plant advice. Exactly. That's nice, Garner's isn't it? Corner. Like um, in the community, though, having, um, I know that Hackney are planting lots of trees and, and you know, it costs quite a lot of money to kind of send people to water them on a, on a cycle and actually residents say, oh, well, I'll do it. You know, I think that's, um, that's yeah. really, uh, really quite, quite nice. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we should probably um, get stuck in with, uh, with Worcester. Um, we're joined by uh, Dan Brothwell. Hi, Dan. Hello, you're right. Yeah. Hi. We're all good. Um, Dan, do you have any planters in in Worcester? There must be somewhere some planters in Worcester. Yes. Good, but not for low traffic neighbourhoods. No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Well, um, welcome. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, about Bike Worcester and and a little bit about yourself and and uh, what you do? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've got a job, um, and uh, I get to that job by bicycle. It's about a five mile ride. So, um, that certainly wasn't always the case. I, I used to drive. Um, and then my little story was uh, a couple of friends, um, went cycle touring around the world. And, uh, that was probably enough of a prod for me to think, well, if they can do that, I can certainly, um, cycle to work every day. So, and then that's grown over the years to from, you know, doing it in the summer to, uh, every day, 
um, which is great. Um, so Bike Worcester then was um, probably sort of conceived uh, maybe two and a half years ago, and and I just started getting a bit more interested in in cycling and cycling infrastructure, and and I noticed that other cities had uh, sort of campaign groups or or community groups to do with cycling, and and started looking for one in Worcester, and it it didn't exist. Um, so got in touch with. Uh, a couple of the councillors who put me in touch with um, the local Cycling UK rep, who was then involved with the local Sustrans rep, and and it's grown out of, grown out of that really. Um, and yeah, we're 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 starting to get noticed, I think. But um, still, I'd love some more tips on how to get a bit more progress. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people um, that when we've done Q and A's and stuff before, and just looking at comments, people. Um, uh, which one of the reasons we wanted to get you on is that people ask sort of, well, how can I get involved? What can, what can I do? And, and obviously local campaigning is, um, is super important and, um, it's great to see certainly, you know, uh, all of us have seen on, on Twitter, um, kind of what the, what the campaigns have been doing and obviously the pressure you've been putting on, but also obviously some of the, the, the suboptimal happenings in the, in the area, um, related to, uh, to active travel. Um, before we get into that, maybe it's worth just for people that don't know, Worcester telling us a little bit about the 30 alleyways that we've researched that we think there are um, in, in the... In Tewkesbury. In, oh, it's in Tewkesbury. God. Oh. There used to be 90, apparently. I was on I was on the Visit Tewkesbury website. So I thought, you know, <laughs> we can't, it can't all be negative about Worcestershire. Um, there's some lovely and historic and natural wonders yeah. in the area. I mean, so. Worcestershire is an absolutely brilliant county for cycling um there's there's loads of there's loads of quiet lanes and there's loads of lovely historic towns it's it can be flat if you follow the valley it can be rolling um so it's, yeah a bit of something for everybody so it's a great place to to cycle but if um you know if the focus is on trying to get you know Worcester's a, a relatively small city um and and perfect really for for getting around on a bike um the size of it so yeah, if you're looking then about the the sort of infrastructure or availability of safe cycling in and around Worcester, that's it starts to sort of fall down a little bit. And geographically, it's it's quite naturally suited to. It's got some good features. So obviously, the River Seven goes through it, and we, so there's there's the potential to that there are cycle paths down some of either side of the River Seven. Um, there's there's a one main canal which sort of cuts through the middle of the city, so so that's got cycling routes on it. There's a big race course which has got cycle routes around it. So there's a lot going for it in that respect. Um, and then historically, there's been a couple of um, reasonably sized sort of housing developments over the years that have gone in. That you know there there has been some effort in those housing developments to to create cycle routes and, and cut throughs. Um, and and I guess maybe thirty forty years ago. They might have been considered state of the arts, but yes, they don't. I think that my problem with them really is that, that is the continuity. There's a lot of stopping and starting to, to cross roads, and um, yeah, not not as good as it could be. I think. Dan, um, do you think that <clears throat> do you think that most people who live in Worcester work in Worcester? And, and undoubtedly, there will be a lot of people that live in Worcester that also work in Worcester, or, or you know, within. Um, you know, within a, I don't know, three or five mile radius of it. Um, what Worcester certainly does have is, is uh, I think it's got four or five high schools um, and probably, I don't know, 15, 20 primary schools. Um, 
and yeah, most of the most of the children there would be within within walking or cycling distance. So um, sure, and and um, so yeah, there's certainly there's there's absolutely the the potential for many many more trap trips to be made on a bike. So schools is probably schools. Adam, Laura, it's probably a really good place to start, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. As you may remember from our school streets episode. Yes, good plug. Um, I I was thinking Ned, that that me and you have probably been in the same car park in Worcester of the Worcester. Actually, that's going to rephrase that. Uh, uh, the Worcester Racecourse car park, I think, hosted a start of a Tour of Britain um, uh, uh, race. Um, and that got me thinking a little bit because where I am in Warwickshire has a sort of similar approach, I think, where they, they have bike racing you know they get the tour of britain along and they think that that's you know well we did the cycling thing that that's that's it and i think that's kind of probably um the case for some of the more kind of rural areas that 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 do that and um i'm just thinking as you're you're talking down about saying well it's lovely for country lanes and i know we were talking about some of the councillors cycle but maybe not in city but they do in the kind of rural areas and stuff like that i just wonder if um if maybe worcestershire as a county think that cycling is is you know is something that people in Lycra do and actually for a transport point of view it's not so much of a thing yeah I think that's that's definitely the case and there's a feeling there I mean I'm reasonably new to this sort of engagement in local politics but yeah that's something I've heard a number of times really that it's it's not really being considered as a mode of transport it's a leisure activity um the cycling routes that are around the the river you know, are there for leisure activities, um, be that, you know, families and, and toddlers on bicycles or, 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 you know, the, the lycra clad warriors going out or the local cycling, like cycling club. It's a, yeah, it's more of a, it's considered a, you know, a something to do at weekends as opposed to, um, a mode of transport. Yeah. You, you, I guess, I guess, I guess in your description, you could have been, been describing a lot of different areas around the UK or a lot of different cities in that quite a lot of them are sort of relatively compact. And, um, I guess, I guess one thing that stuck out recently for, um, Worcester and Worcestershire is, is some of the, um, the kind of, it seems like some of the councillors aren't necessarily behind the whole, um, the whole cycling boom. Um, councillor Amos, um, your head of highways has made the news recently for saying, um, the cycling is just a phase. The cycling boom during, uh, the COVID pandemic is just a phase. Um, the government's recent guidance on cycling doesn't apply to Worcester because of its high car use. Um, going back to 2018, he called cyclists dangerous and selfish and cycle mad morons at some point. Yep. So, um, don't necessarily have the political will, would it be fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. So I think there's so uh, that's the Worcestershire County Cabinet. So there's there's Councillor Amos. There's also um, Councillor Pollock, Ken Pollock, who who's sort of um, got an infrastructure economy and infrastructure remit. Um, yeah, he's he's quite interesting to um, to follow on Twitter. Some of the comments that, that get made. So um, yeah, I think possibly in a broader aspect there are there are councillors that would support it. Um, but yeah, right at the top, there's the sort of leaders and the cabinet members. Yeah. Not seeing a lot of political will there. We've, we've been, um, we're talking on the podcast about political will and, and it's something that, that um, I'm really keen to kind of get across to people that, um, 
you can have as many government announcements as you like nationally, but if you don't have the political will on a uh, on a local level, you're not going to be able to get any change because of you know the highways authorities are those in in charge of building and maintaining cycling infrastructure and trying new things. And um, you know, I think if you've got uh, if you've got the figureheads of that remit, if you like, um, not necessarily being on board, then it doesn't um, it does not bode well um and i guess the other thing that that i came across kind of um just on on twitter and and um mainly because jeremy vine tweeted about it and it kind of um it took off a little bit um uh, as these things do um is uh someone allegedly leaked a, a kind of county council memo or presentation within um within um well from the council to to the wider world which talked about some of the kind of political red lines that they wouldn't cross. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and uh, how that whole thing came about and what you um, you know what you know? I guess. Yeah, well, so the Emergency Active Travel Fund that was that was sort of welcome. I'm sure we'd all agree with that from from Grant Chaps. Um, and there was a bit of period where it didn't seem to, and no one seemed to know what was the next step was. And then they said, well, okay, so here's the allocated money, and you need to bid for that. I, I genuinely don't know whether whether Worcestershire we're actually going to bid for it or it was us making a fuss that then got them to put that bid in. Um, uh, and then the bids that went in was uh, from sort of missed the point from, from my perspective a little bit. And it seemed to be um, asking for the money for sort of longer term strategic um, active travel routes that, that they've already planned for. Um, I think the way Worcestershire seems to work is they 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 put together the plans and then sort of sit back and, and wait for money to to come in and they sort of grab money from various different sources whether that's development or from high, from central government highways or whatever and then when they've got enough money they'll they'll perhaps spend that then on the infrastructure and I think they were taking the same approach with the with the emergency active travel fund um, so they only got fifty percent of, of, of the money which to be honest I was surprised they got that much um they've then done a similar thing with the bid that they're putting in for phase two or the tranche two money um but yeah in, in amongst all of that this this sort of slide came out that um that then talked about some of the red lines and the red lines were we are not given any space away from from motor vehicles so any talk of pop-up cycle lanes or um you know even even moving car park spaces to make more space on um on on the for 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 pedestrians was was a big no no and a big red line, um, and then I did attend one of the sort of scrutiny committee meetings via Zoom, um, and I think there was you know there was there was some upset from some of the other councillors on that um, from Malvern and Redditch um, saying look we locally we've got local councillors, uh, local tradespeople and the public all wanting a couple of car park spaces combed off. So there's more space for pedestrians at this particular point where there's a pedestrian crossing and some shops where people queue outside of and a cash point. And, and the county had, had told them, no, you're not allowed to do that. So I should, um, I should probably uh, read it for the, um, for the benefit of listeners. Um, a slide reads Worcestershire County Council's leadership has made it clear that the following red lines apply in terms of schemes, which can be supported by the current administration. Uh, no loss of car parking spaces will be accepted. No loss of road space will be accepted. 
This significantly constrains types of schemes that can be considered for delivery. Doesn't though, Laura, um, rule out low traffic neighborhoods, does it? <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Technically, that's what that's what they're saying. Actually, they're saying what we what we need is a is a is a, a county full of low traffic neighbourhoods. Yeah, yeah. It, it it kind of seems like there's not there's just not much sort of political enthusiasm for for cycling. But maybe that people don't see um, in 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 politics locally don't see cycling as maybe a viable form of transport. Um, yeah, and I know that um, Ned, you've you've kind of been with the tour of Britain when it's visited places like Worcester. And sometimes that's seen as a way of getting, um, cycling, mm. uh, you know, taking a cycling box. Yeah. I, I mean, Adam mentioned that earlier and I, I do, I like all along actually in my journey through cycling, I understand that bike races only happen really because of public funding from local authorities. It's not just in Britain. That's the case in the Tour de France for goodness sake. Um, and, and often there is this message that tries to sit alongside the bike race that, that cycling is something which, um, which has multiple uses, but I, 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 I just have, I don't know what the evidence is. And I, I always have slight misgivings about that. I don't know if that is a, a clear enough actually in terms of the thinking and the targets and the achievements. And I always do worry slightly. I worry when bike races turn up in places like Worcester and frankly shut the place down, you know, often unexpectedly barriers go up, streets get shut down, you know, to, the, the streets get turned into car parks for fleets of cars that arrive with the bike race, you know, ironically enough. And actually, um, I don't know if that messaging is clear always. I think when it's done well, it is, and, and when it's not, it isn't. So in my mind, I would I would try and separate the two things. I think, you know, I think bike races are about elite sport, actually, and about a celebration of community and the city in which you live. I'm not saying that, you know, cycle activism can't be part of that. I just don't think it's the kind of like the magic trick that people think or want it to be. I, I think quite the opposite sometimes. Um, so I, I think that I think it's a bit of a red herring, actually. And, um, you know, uh, activism, the, the kind of thing that Dan wants to achieve happens on a much more micro level. You know, how do you get, how do you actually persuade a, a reluctant seven-year-old um, to try riding the one and a half miles to their primary school? Well, how about you bribe them? You know, how about you offer um, um, a, a pass where they have no homework for a week? Or, uh, or, or the, uh, you know, a, a sweets. I was going to say sweets, but obviously that's a bad health <laughs> issue. No, but I mean, let's be imaginative about it. Let us let's incentivize people. You know, whether it's whether it's children at primary school, um, parents because they're the biggest drivers of all of it. Literally, drivers of all of this. You know, incentivize the parents somehow. Be creative about it. Say, if you can persuade your two kids at primary school age to take the bike to school for five days a week, then this will be you know your reward. Um, uh, and likewise, in the workplace, this is something I'm always banging on about in this podcast. You know, if you own, if you own a small business in Worcester, um, then then try and encourage, you know, incentivize those small business owners to to incentivize their own workforce to ditch the car and ride those four or five miles to work. And that's that that trickle down effect. It's not going to happen by it's not going to happen by empty words and like nice powerpoints. You've actually got to really kind of you've got to dangle quite concrete carrots in front of people. I think. Hmm. Um, Dan, that links in probably quite nicely with with um, the the document you sent us, uh, the Soggyometer, um, which which linked um, linked to uh, your own commute to work as a as a kind of new person on a bike and, and getting into that. But also your 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 boss was quite supportive um, as well, and that's made a difference. 
Yeah, so this is maybe three or four years ago now. So uh, very briefly, the the company I work for does um, water treatment for factories. The projects probably last about 12 months. And from a marketing point of view, we we were a bit clueless, really, um, where we'd we'd sort of build the plant, get it working, and maybe six months after that, drop drop a press release into the into the the water industry press. Uh, That's probably all we did. And at that point, there was a few of us cycling to work and it's got reasonable sort of green credentials. And I I had a word with the director at the time and said, well, you know, can we not try and link these two together? Um, So we we dreamt up a a scheme that we called Shift, which um, all the employees, wherever they cycle, whether that's as a, uh, you know, on a commute or or leisure, uh, they just keep a track of how far they've gone and the company donates two and a half pence per kilometer at the end of the year. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, the, the first year we did it, there's probably about 25 of us in the company at that point. And we, we got past a, a lovely figure, which is just over 40,000 kilometers, um, which is about the circ, uh, about the circumference of the earth, which is, I thought quite nice. Um, I think the key thing, what, what that's done really is just to raise awareness of, of cycling as, as a mode of transport within the company. And um, it's gone, Ned, sorry. Yeah, no, Dan, I mean, I think that's absolutely brilliant, but I, I'd like to, I don't think it's fantastic. What an achievement and, and totally uh, the right kind of thinking. But <clears throat> why on earth, this is a subject I raised long, long time ago in our podcast. Why on earth don't, don't we all lean on human resources departments and the management yeah. to pay mileage for cyclists? You know, I, 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 I work for a production company. I've just finished commentating on a race called the Criterion du Dauphiné, and I've been cycling across London, 16 miles there, 16 miles back every day, and my boss pays me 20p a mile. Now, we're getting there with her. She, she actually pays car drive. If I were to drive, I don't have a car, but if I were to drive, she'd pay me 45p a mile. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm on the point of saying to her, I don't understand why I'm not being paid 45p a mile. Why, why, is it, why is it any skin off your nose, which means of transport I take? And by the way, cycling's more reliable, you know. So yeah. she's 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 right, and um, you know she's quite unusual in that she pays twenty p a mile my uh, cycling mileage. I think that's quite rare, but she's not totally right because she should be paying me forty five p a mile if that's the hitch she's prepared to pay for for cars. So that's something that I think we can all lobby for within our work organisation because it's it's logic is quite hard to refute, isn't it? I'd like to hear their defence of their position in which they don't pay mileage. Yeah, well, I can add to that. The the those rates are set down by HMRC. Exactly. Uh, as to as to what uh, what's a legitimate rate, um, yeah, I'd, I kind of want it. I'd like to see it change in the media, really, and uh, not from my perspective, but um, you know that people that choose to ditch the car and start cycling to work on their commute, they they should be held up as local heroes. It, it, you know, it's a and if if we could get if you get that to change in the media, where you know, or or, or from. Um, from our prime minister that, that, you know, you say this is a really good and positive thing and yeah, you're, you you know, you're, you're praised for it almost as opposed to, you know, what seems to currently happen, which is, um, you know, you're in the way you're slowing down the cars. But, but again, Dan, I couldn't agree more. It's just that it's really hard to get to the prime minister. Um, you know, like I'm I haven't, surely you've got an in there. <laughs> I haven't got it's one of Laura's sources, I think. Dominic Cummings isn't going to hire me anytime soon as a kind of you know free thinking maverick spirit in number 10. So, um, so what I'm saying is it's probably easier for us all to think, well, who can who is within my reach? 
You know, Jim, yeah. like even for you, Dan, you, you can't, you, you know, bless you, you're doing brilliantly, but you can't be expected to access everybody who matters in Worcester. You, you've no. just got to be able to, you've got to be able to sort of think, well, actually concentrate and target all your efforts on the, on the achievable, haven't you? And, and yeah. maybe, maybe focus them on rather than, so it's, again, it's the shift from the macro will take care of itself if we look after the micro that's outside our front doors. That's, that's what I think, you know. I mean, yeah. just a little bit more to say about the the, the scheme at Aquabio then is is how it's transformed how everybody at work thinks about cycling as a mode of transport. Um, mm. So there was there was one guy who always did a lot of mountain biking but didn't commute on a bike. He's now reliably commuting on a bike before shutdown or lockdown. Um, there's there's guys near near retirement who who have started cycling. Um, there's one guy who's never really done a great deal of exercise who's, who's just bought an e-bike. And I think it's the, it's those little ripples that can can help as well, isn't it? That there's a, there's a positive message. Um, the other thing then that, you know, I certainly wasn't doing 10 years ago, but when, when I go to work on site, I'll, I'll try my hardest to, to take my bike with me. And then, you know, trips from the site to the hotel are then, you know, done done on a bike as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's properly transformed. I think it's probably increased, you know, total miles – by, by probably about a factor of five. Mm. Great. You've got a graph, haven't you? You showed us a graph. I like graphs. Yeah. <laughs> I love on. a graph I, I as mentioned... well. And it had like someone on a unicycle riding up <laughs> the, the curve of the graph. It was quite, it was quite creative. There will be people like listening to this thinking, Adam mentioned a soggyometer, which did not get clarified. So um, yeah, do you want to just tell us? Because Dan, you do strike me as a guy that likes numbers and likes graphs, as you, as you say. And uh, the soggyometer <laughs> takes one of those little arguments that people have to a, to a new level, doesn't it? Yeah. So, well, there'd been quite a lot, I guess, about a year ago where people saying, I, oh, well, I can't cycle because the weather's rubbish or it's too hilly or whatever. And I thought, well, I'll just, um, I'll just start recording whether I got damp or soaked on my ride to work every day. So I started that last at the start of October last year. And, um, yeah, I'd certainly got the sense that I didn't actually get wet very often. And, and even on days that you look out the window and it's gray and it looks like it's raining, in actual fact, when you actually get on the bike, it's either not raining that much or there's lots of puddles on the road, but it's not raining at all when, when you're on the bike. Um, so, yeah, it's about 95% dry. Um, those, stat, those stats did change today because I got absolutely soaked on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just looking out the window. It's pouring down. I've just, I've just been looking at um, this, uh, this issue of um, how employers can help people to cycle more for an article I've been writing. And it really is amazing just by having um, you know, facilities and colleagues who cycle, how much of a difference that that can make and obviously that access to cycles. But employers really can influence how much their employees are uh, uh, riding their bikes. And post-COVID, a lot of them are now looking into that issue as part of business continuity how they're going to keep their staff safe so yeah i think i think there's a real role to play there even training things like training Mm. Yeah, I definitely think um, just from what uh, Ned and, and Dan were saying as well, um, in terms of how that's perceived and the, the effect we can have locally, and I think that's why local campaigning is 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 super important. And I, you know, I think no single person can um, can change the, the the world. And I I know from from doing local campaigning here as well that that it can be you know pretty soul destroying sometimes. You know, I don't want to want to listen to think go. It sounds you know it sounds like right uh, laugh because you are really having to to work very hard to change people's, um, people's 
perception. But you know, locally, I think you can make a big difference by by doing some of the initiatives you've talked about and holding that um, power to to account. I think you know, Councillor Amos, who, who's been quoted in local media saying, you know, cycling is just a fad, and you know, people will stop. People say that with an intention of thinking things like, well, when when it stops being sunny, we've had good weather, so they'll all they'll all die out. And actually, if we can start to add a little bit of data to the uh, to, to to the conversation, um, that helps. And changing the media narrative, as as you know, uh, you know, I'm passionate about Matt Matt Weston, who's a Labour MP and uh, for Leamington and Warwick near me. Uh, was the was the victim of a kind of national newspaper scoop, who uh, caught him on the latest. Uh, expense uh, scandal for MPs by because uh, he was claiming 20p a mile for his uh, constituency cycling to go and meet residents and going to meet businesses. And he was claiming for it in the same way he would have claimed if he was driving a car or getting the bus to go and do that. And like, I kid you not, there was national newspaper articles kind of inferring that, you know, he, he, he was doing wrong by doing that. And, uh, that to wow. me was, was real. Yeah. Like totally nuts that that's, um, that's the case. And that's what we're, what we're up against, but it is, you know, I think it is changing. Um, and I know that a lot of MPs are mulling over e-bikes and things like that and starting to come to, you know, the narrative is changing, but, um, it's those little things that make a difference. Um, Dan, thanks very much for your for your for your time. We're going to um, we're going to speak to um, uh, Councillor Matthew Jenkins, who I believe uh, also engages with you at um, uh, Bike Worcester, um, and get a little bit of an insight from from the council point of view and and what's it like on the political world front. But um, keep up the uh, keep up the great work, and yeah, um, cheers, you know, man. thanks for thanks for what you're doing locally. So joining us now is Green Party Councillor for Worcestershire County Council. Matthew Jenkins. Welcome to the podcast, Matthew. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you on. So, um, yeah, we've been talking about uh, your neck of the woods and um, obviously mm-hmm. some um, some sort of talking about the area, but also the kind of challenges in terms of the politics um, on, of cycling locally, which have made the news in various places. We're, we're just wondering, is the, is the council's reputation on cycling justified? It seems to be. I mean, I've heard rumours that we are like one of the, if not the worst in the country in terms of the reputation. I've heard that from, I think, from the cycling group in London, I think. So, unfortunately, I think it could just be a few councillors, unfortunately, the ones in in power, the ones in the cabinet members responsible, who seem to be holding it up and just seem to have a a wholly anti-cycling attitude, really. And you're kind of party to discussions as a councillor locally um, for Worcestershire. You'll 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 be in the in the meetings. What's the sort of thinking behind this? Um, I don't know if I want to say anti-cycling or it's it's not really it's not really on the agenda. It seems. No, I mean it's it's Worcestershire has got a cabinet system, so and it means that I'm not in you know, not party to the actual stuff that goes on in the really powerful cabinet. We only get the you know full council and your committee meeting. And so we're very much out of the loop. But when we do raise it, often they claim, oh, look, we're doing all this and we lovely things. We're, we're investing in this bit of infrastructure here. We've got a new bridge, et cetera, here for cycling. But usually all that stuff is stuff that's maybe allocated money from central government because there's going to be housing built. So they had to put in the you know, a footbridge, cycle bridge. So, um, yeah, so it's difficult to know what the fundamental reasons are behind it, but often it's what they say in the press sometimes can be more 
yeah, indicative of what their, their real attitude is. And, you know, they're increasing the cycle ban in Worcester City Centre, for example. There's always cycle been ban. a cycle ban. Yeah, you can't cycle. Originally, it was like half 10 to half four within the kind of the pedestrianised part, heart of Worcester City. And I think that's been extended right up, right up to about six o'clock because they're treating bikes the same as cars and other vehicles, which I suppose they could say is a part of the gear change, whatever kind of attitude of treating bikes like that. But it's never really been enforced that that much because most people didn't even know. I never knew for years. I just assumed that, you know, use your common sense and slow down when it's busy. But actually there are there have been signs up for years about that. So so you've got that attitude. You've got I mean, it's very difficult when you've got the two cabinet members who cover that area, the one for highways and one for kind of infrastructure. Both of them are climate change deniers. I've got that on record. So you've got that, you've got um I mean, one of them, uh, Councillor Ken Pollock, he used to, he used to be producer of Top Gear. He got Jeremy Clarkson his job on Whoa. Top Gear. So you know, you've got a real petrol <laughs> head, you know, who's uh, particularly keen on cars, but maybe less so on cycling. I mean, you know, he might be open to persuasion. I think actually the worst example is actually the the other cabinet member for highways uh, and, and certain Alan Amos, who's often quoted in the press for derogatory terms and statements mm-hmm. towards cyclists say it's very difficult i think um matthew that um it's, it's really you've got you've got a big uphill struggle here clearly um but i think the first <clears throat> step if you like to kind of understanding how you can make progress with this might be to delve deep into your reserves of empathy um and try because otherwise you know you're never going to change hearts and minds and try and put yourself in if you like their shoes um, they, I have a suspicion from what you've told me about about them that they might be the kind of people who, you know, you could, you could perhaps have an informal conversation in council chambers with them in a corridor and say, just so you know, there's, some, you know, you just might be quite interested to reflect on it. There's some quite hard evidence that we can provide you with that um, low mm. traffic neighbourhoods are beneficial to local business, right? Because you know we, we've got this stuff mm. as evidence from the various experiments in London. So so you remove it. It's, it's no longer a debate about anti-cars or, or climate, or God mm. forbid, climate change. Um, it's actually, it's know, actually yeah. you know, helping out your local businesses. Um, but even then, Matthew, I, sus- I suspect they might be so reluctant to buy into it that they would um, kind of ignore that evidence because the, mm. they perceive that their constituents or their core voters are people who are, wouldn't be interested in that evidence in the first place. Yeah, or, or, wouldn't, or wouldn't, wouldn't believe it. it. Yeah, because I know, I think, yeah, I mean, certainly, I know Bike West has been pushing the idea that, you know, you spend more if you cycle, that idea, that, that evidence showing that when you get rid of parking spaces and put bike racks in, yeah, people do spend more. But, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. And I think and uh, it's kind of that idea of, uh, so anyway, like in Worcester, that's where I am based, but you know it's a main city in Worcestershire. You know congestion is a you know a huge issue, and so when everyone talks about that, they it's almost like that framing the whole problem is like, oh, we've got a problem with cars. We need to find some way of getting cars to get through that bit quicker, rather than looking at well maybe the problem is just the number of cars that are going through Worcester. You know it's a 
you know, it's a very old city, quite narrow roads. It's quite difficult to, you know, create, you're not going to create more space. So it, it's kind of, you know, you always talk about, you know, the, the narrative, changing the narrative. And I think that's what we've got to do, um, with both me as councillors and other, other people to kind of shift it to say, well, actually, yeah, the benefits, if you can get lots of people out of cars, those people in the white van man and people who really have to drive, they can carry on driving, but we've suddenly created lots of extra space and actually there will be less congestion because loads of people are now walking and cycling. So it, it is, yeah, it's trying to sell that positive picture that actually we're not anti-car because we're not, because I drive and yeah, just about everyone who cycles, nearly all of them drive as well. So yeah, you're quite right. It's trying to change that angle, but I mean, it's very difficult. Whenever, you know, just a zebra crossing in, in, in Worcester is kind of derided because people slow down cars because they keep crossing at a zebra crossing. So they had to change that into a kind of Pelican Toucan crossing because that was just, you know, Two people crossing the road. Wow. Yeah, well, how dare they? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and they've changed one and they're changing another one because initially they're putting zebras and, you know, that was like, oh no, it's causing too much trouble for drivers. So unless you can see that you've, yeah, we've got. To, you can see our problem. So yeah, we've got to come a long way. But it's it's just changed the narrative. Do you think then that you might be lobbying the wrong people, in that you're not going to make much headway with these people who have their hands on the controls of local spending and, and politics, and maybe the people to lobby are the shopkeepers in the high street, and to go into them and the and the business owners in the high street in the city. And, and, and to change their hearts and minds and pre- present them with the evidence and say, do you know this street outside, if this happened to it, this would result and we can prove mm. it because that's the thing. Yeah. And then you're not going to convince all of them, but you might convince a few and then get them to form a little lobbying group that then their vo- you can add their voices yes. to your, to your mm. voice. And then all of a sudden that's got much more credibility. Yeah. Yes, I've never, it's not I, I've never, me being a green I've never tried to yeah. do this, Matthew. So um, you can tell me to stop. You know, <laughs> this is just me theorising. No, there. I mean we're, we're certainly thinking about it. I mean, you spoke to Danny earlier about his shift, kind of working with business to get more from cycling. I know a lot of people. We're certainly working a lot, trying to think of with parents talk about because we've got this long gap before schools have gone back. We've got a lot of time to think about. Well, when schools do go back. We really want you know, a lot. There's a lot of talk about safe streets and getting more kids to cycle and that kind of stuff. So, I think a lot of schools are probably in favour of that, and a lot of parents are in favour. So you can work. There's kind of those kind of there's a kind of lobby group there of parents and schools. And yeah, that's a good point. There's kind of the, the business side of things. Often, yeah, many businesses say, "Well, we don't want to lose that parking space outside my shop because I lose business." But if you yeah use the stats and show them that actually that's not going to be the case. So, I mean, yeah, Worcestershire is uh, at county level is predominantly conservative and probably will be from quite a long time yet unless something radical happens. I mean, you're talking about three quarters of the politicians are conservative. So it's going to be a difficult one to shift at that level. But maybe, yeah, we can have more uh, work down with businesses and other people. Well, um, what a lot of people... um won't sorry the hand up thing is just so we know not to interrupt each other mainly our side um um, (laughs) the law doesn't follow it often she just butts in but uh um, and another thing uh the what a lot of people listen to this will probably be thinking is well isn't it the conservative government that are telling us that we should all be getting on our bikes and um i've tried to use this 
tactic mm. uh, in in Warwickshire, and I must admit, to, to almost no avail. Like you know, <laughs> like like telling them, that, well, yeah. come on, you know, your your boss wants you to do this, and uh, you know, are you not a mm. real conservative? Um, and uh, and it just doesn't seem to, to to work. And I wondered if you you know experienced the same or use the same tactic. Mm. Um, to some extent, uh, there are actually, I mean, on the committee I'm on, which is, again, it's going to be a predominantly conservative, but we actually, a few years back, came out with quite a kind of pro-cycling agenda. We've had some people in from local cycling groups, and I think actually there's a few members of, of that committee who cycle, so and they're quite green as well. And that, But I think the trouble is, so they said, oh, we should spend more on cycling. They, you know, promoted it to the cabinet, and the cabinet said no. And then we, oh, fair enough. We've had a go. I think sometimes the trouble with maybe conservatives who are quite keen on cycling is they see it very much as a, a personal choice. So if you want to cycle, great. I think it's great thing cycling, and then maybe tell other people we think it's great to cycle, but they don't see it as a kind of that kind of systemic change. We need to kind of shake up the whole system, and that kind of thing is like, well, that's a bit of an anathema to us. We don't don't like that and uh, I know what you mean about it but maybe they see that you know there's different kinds of conservatives and you know certain conservatives maybe the more libertarian wing don't like big government telling them what to do you know we do how we want to do it we're different we're a rural county therefore we don't need all this stuff I mean that was a lot of the argument they gave was we're not like London that's why we don't believe in this kind of the tranche you know phase one and phase two of the active travel fund they said well it doesn't really apply to us because we don't really have many buses and it's very rural but actually you look at the data we are aren't actually that rural in the sense that actually most people live in urban and suburban areas about 80 percent of people actually do live in fairly built up areas so actually cycling would be brilliant for them but uh, i'll keep working at it you know you know there's elections in may so um, we're hoping that you know there's a gradual shift we can gradually get rid of a few and if it becomes a kind of a topic then you might get conservatives in who are keen cyclists will kind of more likely maybe to get selected perhaps and those who are seen as maybe as uh, some refer to them as kind of the dinosaurs maybe uh, will not get selected and gradually even if it might be still conservative majority you might actually get a few more that are keen to promote cycling and don't see it as a weird activity that that is only for leisure and not for when it's a rainy day yeah, yeah. <laughs> um apart from when it's um in the city center and then it's treated as a as a vehicle apparently but it's not just about yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's not just about cycling though is it it's about walking too and it's uh, mm. i think where where campaigns have sometimes fallen down it's it's where it's this is for cycling or we're asking for stuff mm -hmm. for cycling and people look at you know if you, we're talking about data people look at the numbers and think well one or two percent of people cycle in this area why do we want to you know money's tighter mm -hmm. than ever why do we want to give money over to this one or two percent who you know if you believe the the tabloid narrative are sort of aggressive men in, in Lycra. And, you know, <laughs> if you if you start to change that narrative, though, and we think about people walking and just everyday trips and maybe about, mm. um, you know, streets and neighbourhoods and um, town centres and, and like Ned was saying, businesses, that that's that's the sort of, that's a bit, bit nicer for people. It, it removes yeah, that us yeah. and them, that whole cyclists, mm. were, which is like a red flag to a bull for, for many people. Um, because it, be, it conjures yeah. up these images, but yeah, I wonder if um... yeah, I mean that's certainly something we've 
we've talked about, I know we've discussed it about Worcester. I'm kind of a follower and involved a bit or try to set up a kind of 20s plenty for Worcester kind of group. It hasn't really got very far, I have to admit. Um, but it's that kind of idea, yeah, of trying to broaden it out. I mean, I think because the area I represent within Worcester's got, you know, it's got five schools within it. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge number of people who will be trying to get their kids to and from school. And, you know, walking is probably by far the majority rather you know, compared to cycling. So I think, and stuff like school streets and things, they just benefit everyone. 20 mile an hour speed limits benefit everyone. And as someone who has a, I used to walk my autistic son to the local specialist school. It was always a bit of a nightmare where you get those 20 mile an hour speed limits just outside the school. So for the last 10 meters before you get there, oh, it's 20 mile an hour now. But the whole rest of the way, it was 30 miles an hour with big lorries on it. And, um, you know, with an autistic child who didn't really understand the concept of risk and danger and roads, it was always a bit, a bit worrying. So they are just so connected. So, you know, I'm happy to support all of them. When I'm reading, um, you know, some of the quotes that we've been talking about, um, just on Laura's point, uh, and I don't know the answer, so great to get your insight, um, Matt, but... Mm -hmm. Councillor Amos and others, you know the the, the stuff about the, the the cycling ban recently. You know he's he's pitching cyclists against pedestrians, right? So is you know, and that's we know that to be a tactic of, um, you know, of the of maintaining the status quo, right? If there's if you're sat at a table with a driver, a pedestrian, and a cyclist, and there's ten cookies, and the driver's got nine of them, and then the, he tells the pedestrian, "Hey, the cyclist is going to take your cookie." Um, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of like it, you know, it plays into that status quo. So, do you think? But, but equally, I can also read in that and think, well, you know, we are being told in the gear change document that cyclists should be treated mm. as vehicles, and actually, you know, I think shared usage paths are rubbish um, often, um, and things mm. like that. So, do you think? the the issue is with cycling and all the the words that go around cycling like louts and all the things that me, the media use mm. or do you think um do you think you know the leadership are quite supportive of pedestrianism you know a lot lot of Worcester city center is pedestrianized um mm. you know how how do you see it um locally part of the trouble i mean yeah in Worcester because there's no it's quite unsafe for a lot of people to cycle on the main roads so hence, that's why they're cut through via the, you know, the pedestrianised city centre. You know, and that's my, my wife does that and she's not as confident a cyclist as me. So and she has to cycle across town quite a bit. And I think often the trouble is you get a lot, you know, you get the local press. There was a spate of like, uh, you know, 14, 15 year olds who were doing wheelies down main roads, you know, and then that kind of became a thing where lots of other kids all copied it and it became a, like, you know, that, and that's a kind of a lot of the worry. That's the concern. There'd be, you know, people in skateboards and doing stunts by Elgar statue in the middle of Worcester. And so, well, that that's, we don't like that. And the trouble is because, you know, you compare it to somewhere like Amsterdam where everybody kind of normal people cycle. And I think the perception is sometimes that the only people who cycle are, are yeah, the mad people in Lycra or these tearaway kids and that's it. You know, and we don't like either of those people because the ones in life go too fast and the tearaway kids are doing wheelies and I'm really scared they might bump into, you know, an elderly lady, something like that. You know, it's very rare. But so I think that's the trouble. I mean, that's what you're trying to try and get. You, know, you want to just get more 
yeah, in quotes, normal people or people that are perceived as just just like me and you kind of people. Oh, they cycle. It's quite natural to cycle. We're not some other strange being that uh, we don't want to invade into the pedestrianised areas because it's it's you know the city centre pedestrianised area. I admit I have cycled through there. Hopefully, Anna Namos isn't listening, but you know it's you just it's so easy to manage in terms of you know if you're a sensible person, you just if it's really busy, you slow down and we go, you get off because it's too busy, but. You know, a lot of the time it isn't, so you can quite safely do that. So, um, just you know, just just to, just to kind of finish up, I, I think um, I'd be quite mm-hmm. keen to show um, show off, you know, the great work that that, that Bike Worcester is 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 doing, and I think it's a really good example of you know local advocacy. Mm-hmm. And I, as I keep saying, I think a lot of people are more interested increasingly on how they can get involved locally. I know that a lot of people have been asking um, asking me that too. And um, mm-hmm. one thing that I'm just, you know, I, uh, from a counsellor's point of view, uh, I, I think like a couple of things. One is, is there anything that's going to get through in 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 Worcester? I was just reading up about the the city museum. You know, is on a cycle lane, mm. and th- the council won't install cycle parking despite several hundred people so- signing a petition to to to, to mm. do so. That to me just seems mm-hmm. like, guys, you know quick win here just give them some cycle parking and, and you know let's let them <laughs> yeah. talk about something else um so mm. can i you know can anything physically get through with the leadership and, and i guess just link on to that if you yeah. are in an area like worcester of which lots of people you know are in kind of counties and, and county towns mm. market towns things like that what what's what's your advice to them to make the most amount of impact um even if that's maybe against the status quo mm. i mean i think the first example is is probably a, a good case of one individual, the cabinet member, county council, being the one who blocked it because city council were happy to do it. The city council were going to pay for it and everything. It was purely that kind of blockage at, at county level. And I suppose the hope, as I said, you know, elections every four years, well, you know, elections coming in May, not that far away. You know, the hope is that change of personnel, even if that particular person gets re-elected, he might not be the cabinet member anymore because of all the stick he's been getting, you know, the bad publicity. So there's always that hope that, you know, such obvious things like that will actually change. Um, I mean, a lot of it in terms of the broader picture, I think, I mean, you've got that political difficulty. I mean, I, I know the government have been talking about devolution and changing how the whole kind of county systems run and potentially of you know forcing us into like merging into you know unified authority things like that whereas because i think you've looked at herefordshire which are a unified authority so they haven't got that split between a city and a county you know and often i think that sometimes is the real blockage where you've got just two different councils who are kind of almost competing in the opposite directions you know to some extent as a city councillor, they get most of their money from car parking. So, oh, we want lots of cars. <laughs> as a county councillor, you want to promote, you'd think, you know, buses, for example, because that brings lots of people in, reduces pollution, but often they're in conflict. So whether that will have a bigger impact, but uh, I probably could learn more from other councils because <laughs> we're the ones who are really struggling in Worcestershire. So, so. I guess we're we're looking elsewhere to see how other people do it, and I think Bike Worcester are certainly uh, 
doing a good job. And it's, I think one aspect is quite interesting, finally, is that, that actually quite a lot of the MPs and councillors from other borough councils within the county are also highly critical of the county council. And they're conservatives. So it's conservatives are internally critical. And I think to some extent that could be the biggest impact at all. That could be the one that really kind of changes things at a county level. Because when you've got, is it Rachel McLean? I think, you know. So she's, yes, she's, um, she's in Redditch, right? She's the, the MP yeah, for that it. area. And there's also the Minister for Decarbonising Transport. Um, I've met as well. her. Yeah. I've met Rachel McLean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was presenting yeah. a bike so, race so in the got, a few years ago for the telly. So there we go. Yeah, there you go. So, so you've got kind of people like that, quite high profile, who are openly, you know, really quite critical of of Alan Amos and the county council, and are really kind of embarrassed. So, to some extent, me as a green councillor shouting about things, maybe what really will have the real big impact will be fellow conservatives yeah. going have a quiet word in their ear and saying i think it's time you moved along now and get someone who actually understands things so that's well, my hope wait, till, wait till you see the impact of you know the, the um your presence on the streets ahead podcast just in the in the national you know narrative you know good, good luck with the elections and I, it did strike me that um mm. knocking on doors as I'm sure you will do to sort of get your votes. It's, it's a tremendous opportunity for you to make your point, isn't it? Like doors lead to pavements, yeah. lead to streets. Step outside, mm. present them with an alternative vision yeah. of, um, of what could be happening on their doorstep. And that's kind of like, it's the nuts and bolts of it, isn't it, really? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we, well, we haven't got back to door knocking yet because of you know, oh, coronavirus. Because but, it's not safe. Uh, it's safe yeah, not quite there. I think at some point we're hoping it, it, it will do because that's one of the things that, as a Green Party, that's kind of our, kind of one of our selling points that we do go and talk to people and find out what the local issues are rather than just do it the week before an election. Hmm. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank Thanks you for your time. Um, keep up the keep up the no. good work, and um, yeah, I hope me. you hope you get uh, well. Hope you get everything that you'd wish for in Worcestershire. Um, <laughs> albeit, I don't have much hope for you, but um, uh, no, I, um, good work, and I hope it I hope it goes as well as it can. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, everyone. All right. Well, that was um, kind of. Dispiriting, wasn't it? Um, I, 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 take, I take my hat off to both of our um, our guests, but it does seem like they've got a really intransigent problem um, going on there. And, and you know, I think the, the recurring theme from, especially Matt's uh, testimony, was we've got an election coming up in May <laughs> because in the current, it seems to me under the current constellation of the political setup there, they they don't really they've hit a brick wall, haven't they? Metaphorically, literally, yeah. I guess the um, the consolation is that you know people who are against these sorts of changes are increasingly in a minority. I mean, maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, or maybe that's my bubble. But you do get the feeling that more and more people are now seeing the benefits, notably since the pandemic, and and seeing the value that cycling has as an emergency form of transport, and then going forward as a viable means of everyday uh, transportation. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, if you, yeah, I do, yeah, I do feel a little bit sort of dispirited, but I am, um, I, I would say that, that, um, wherever you are, um, you know, don't ever think that you can't, you know, have a, have an impact. And, and I would, you know, even if your counselor doesn't believe in, you know, active travel, doesn't agree with you, 
right to them there's only so like much that they can uh, ignore and um i think i often think with politicians and um local politicians is yeah as matthew says the um the elections is is, is the acid test really and, and i remember chris boardman saying i think probably on this podcast is you know, politicians often have a hundred fires to, to, to put out. They're going to put out the ones that they, they're going to burn them first. So if you you're going to get 50 emails from, from residents saying, where's our cycle lane? Like everywhere else is doing this. Why are you wasting the emergency act of travel fund? Um, then that's going to have a, a, an impact as will petitions and, and other things like that. So, um, I think, yeah, local campaigning is really important and it was good to, um, to show a little bit of, of it today, uh, from Worcestershire. Yeah. Right to your councillors. Great. Well, um, you've been listening to um, Streets Ahead. Um, we'd love to know what you what you think. So please do uh, leave us a rating uh, and leave us a review or get in touch on Twitter. We're at uh, Pod Streets Ahead, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.